Hello, welcome to the first Education and Practice podcast. We hope to make this a regular event. So this is Ian Wacone. I'm going to be talking about the October edition of Education and Practice. Now, what's the magic word? You see, when I was growing up, my mother said this to me a lot. Basically, it was to beg the answer, please. That was the magic word. And this oils our life in from day to day in the UK. We're terribly polite, at least superficially. And it's true. It is, it is magical because it's kind of transformative. A question that lacks the word please is very different from the word, a question that has it. So hand me the potatoes is different from hand me the potatoes please. So I kind of look out for these magic words. There's an interesting one that I've noticed going around for a while. So when I ask parents, do you smoke? There are only two magic word answers. The first magic word is no. And the second magic word is yes, but not in front of the children. So I'd like to propose here that the word app is a magic word. Because I see people who are normally pretty bright, quite astute, got good crit- critical faculties, and they are rendered unconditionally joyful by content that's provided as long as it's in an app format. And I get quite a few approaches to review apps in the journal, which I decline because usually they're not going to actually alter the behaviour of the app-consuming public who don't read about apps on paper and then decide to install them. Um, And also the fact that in a journal like this, as soon as we got the review in place, it would be out of print. So in, in this month's issue, we've got a paper which I was actually quite happy to see, which is Lumsden, Byrne, Davis, Mooney and Sanders. And they talk about apps, but it's not a review of apps. It's actually a review of how we should work and in this specific context, how we should teach medicine in a world that's saturated with apps. So it's also quite helpful because it made me think about why is it that mobile is different? So I first saw internet calculators to work out this, that and the other about 15 years ago and probably about 12 years ago I had them on my PDA. Yes, I was a geek, but there does seem to be something sort of significant and different about having them actually there at the bedside. And the key thing for this article is that it reminds us that whatever our cynicism about technological advance, if we ignore technology, if we teach our practice without understanding what the people who we're teaching or the people who we're treating are looking at, and how they're looking at it, then we won't be very good doctors. There's loads of great content this month. So in particular, I want to draw your attention to guidelines. Now, Philip Apprentice does a fantastic job with the guidelines section. And what Philippa does is she uh, commissions someone, usually not associated with the production of the original guideline. And she says, I want you to write a stylized review of the guideline. I want you to answer certain questions as you're working for through your review. In particular, I find the bits helpful where she says to the authors, tell me how I should alter my practice. So it's with this in mind, it's important though for us to be critical and reflective readers. So this month we've got a paper from Borges and Hodes, or Hodes, I apologise in advance. I'm fairly sure I'm pronouncing Borges right because it's a Maltese name. And it's called Guidelines for Skeletal Survey in Young Children with Fractures. And this reviews a guideline that was carried in paediatrics. 
there's a figure in this paper, it's very helpful, but it is just a starting point for your own personal reflection and then subsequent debate. It's not what you must do. It's a couple of folk reviewing, rather well in my opinion, someone else's consensus statement. Nobody should follow any guideline unthinkedly. And that's why I've actually made this paper this month's editor's choice. There are spectacular volumes of guidelines generated per year. And actually, if you want a good read, you should have a look at Paul Glasio's Mummified Medicine, which is a cracking read about how most guidelines end up in a vault somewhere. If you read a guideline that you think might end up in a vault, but actually you think we really should be reading it more, then let us know because Philip has been commissioning some smaller reviews, picking up a handful of points relevant to practice, which we might not read the rest of. So, I don't know, say for example, you peruse the Journal of Left Ear Medicine and they've got a cracking couple of points about how we should um, handle cochlear implants in left ears, then please approach us and uh, let us know. Lastly, I was going to end on a paper about a symptom that's well outside my comfort zone, and that's hearing voices. I think that's kind of um, ironic that I'm talking about this in my first podcast. Geralda, Professor Geralda, did me a cracking review on this, and it's helpful and concise. And this is a symptom that scares me, uh, because I don't really know what to do with it, but Geralda's review is a lovely combination of reminders of part forgotten psychiatry and good practical advice. So please enjoy the read. I hope I've whetted your appetite. And also, if you're thinking of writing, have a look at the blog. I've got lots of tips on the blog about how to write for the journal. And please do get in touch. <laughs>